0: If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com.
2: Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home? Take a deep breath.
0: To the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam
2: Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be back with you once again on the HHC as we break down the most recent Vegas Summer League game for the Hornets, an 80-79 to loss to the Toronto Raptors. We'll also break down the preseason schedule, which was just recently released, and get you ready for the fifth and final game of Vegas Summer League for your Hornets youngsters. Helping me out with this, he was flying. Lion Solo, hosting the podcast last couple of times. Rob Longo, my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, back with us again. And Rob, I have refrained from saying settle for silver linings because that's kind of a a regular season term for us on the podcast, for those who are used to listening. And I think there's larger goals at stake for the Hornets in Summer League than wins and losses, but... ah. After that last one, I think we got to go with settle for silver linings because there was some frustrations there, the way things fell apart at the end, an 80 to 79 loss. Quite frankly, again, the Hornets controlled throughout the second half and totally let slip away with some late game blunders, just turnovers that are almost inexcusable. But their lessons learned nonetheless. So an 80 to 79 loss will settle for silver linings in this one. But really, the the fact that we have to is part of the frustration here. It seemed like the Hornets had a W, and maybe the best part of of it is that these young players get a lesson learned about how to close out games or about how not to close out games and some things to take away from this one.
1: Certainly. And, you know, just to touch on it real quick about the inexcusable mistakes down the stretch, Scotty Lewis admitted that in his postgame press conference on Saturday. So, you know, kudos to Scotty for being the bigger person and understanding the, his situation and the situation around the team. He took that loss to heart. So it's just, again, another kind of a learning lesson, like you mentioned. So, you know, this team is young. There are going to be some mistakes. Scotty mentioned it as well, that Xavier Snead shouldn't have been in that situation at the end of the game to hit those two foul shots to win the game or at least tie it to send it to sudden death overtime. So again, it's a very important learning experience, but there were definitely some bright spots. I mean, I think the second quarter alone was a really good quarter for the Hornets. I was able to ask Dutch Gately about that after the game, about how that transpired, and if it was probably the best 10 minutes that the Hornets have played through Summer League so far this season. I think
0: so. Obviously, there's so many decisions. There's so many things going on. I can't recall that whole ten minute stretch. But there obviously was a lot of stu- you know a lot of good stuff. We're up 14 at the court quor- at the end of the quarter. Uh, we won that quarter by 14. Sorry. So I think that that's obviously a big positive, but I'm excited to go back and contrast the positives versus the negatives. That's a great teaching tool. We watched a lot of film today in the morning. I thought we could have done a better job starting the game overall. That's the thing we're going to watch. There's definitely that 10, that 10 minute segment right there in the second quarter is something that's, that's going to be key. We'll, we'll take a lot of good clips from there.
1: So like Dutch mentioned, there were plenty of things that had happened there in that second quarter. One of them was Scotty Lewis. He had 10 points in that quarter alone. I think it was four or five from the field. So, you know, as, as far as late game mistakes happen without Scotty Lewis there in the second quarter, that game might not have been close at all by any means oh no question about it i thought scotty lewis really did take a step it's more the
2: frustration you hate to see anyone fall apart like that i mean the hornets win at sacramento for instance last year that was a great game a great win it's also pretty painful as a human being to see the way sacramento allowed for that all to happen it wasn't just the hornets playing great something else took place there so in this one you feel for scotty that that mistake happened you feel for xavier sneed that he missed those two free throws however you're absolutely 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 right. They're nowhere near that game if those two don't have the kind of performances they did. My biggest silver lining from this one, I think that's a good one. The second quarter was really a, a big one for the team. It was the three-point shooting. It was not as we saw early in Summer League one guy going nuts. LiAngelo Ball had some some big games. He did okay from three in this one too, but this was a balanced effort, good looks at three-pointers, much better ball movement overall for the team in this game. They, they do go back to their turnover ways with 24 turnovers, but they had 23 assists too, so you saw a little bit more of them trying to do the right things offensively and take the right kind of shots and we saw a lot of guys splash down threes in this game against Toronto. So that, to me, is a big positive sign. And quite frankly, in today's NBA, for those Hornets roster players, this is a great sign for what they can do moving forward. JT Thor, knocking down a couple of threes is big. Scotty Lewis knocking down a couple of threes. James Booknight going three for four. That is a great sign. And for those who are not roster players, guys like Leangelo Ball and those who are really auditioning for the league, that's what most players at Summer League are doing, whether that's the G League or other teams to fill out their roster spots, showing they can knock down that shot consistently. Leangelo's done it the entire summer league, but for everyone that was able to put one through, that is a big step. That is a good sign for them and their futures.
1: Well, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but JT Thor was definitely a guy that I was impressed by on Saturday. Just by the way, he was able to shoot the three ball. He was two of four from beyond the arc. And he's an interesting case because I know we've touched on it a couple of times here already on the podcast and on our previous Summer League broadcast too, but he was kind of a late add-on. He had to wait for that Mason Plumlee trade to go through officially with the Detroit Pistons so he could practice. Again, the team waited until Friday night to practice so he could get one under his belt before heading out to Vegas. So he's just kind of trying to get caught up so far. And after the game on Saturday, he was asked about that and how that progress has worked so far. I feel like I'm very up to speed. I only got to practice one time before we got to to Vegas on Friday, and I I felt very comfortable uh, when I practiced and uh, played. My wind was coming back because I haven't really did anything full court, but right now I feel like I'm pretty up to speed. I feel like um, I adjusted quick in my first game, so it's a building blocks, but I feel very comfortable right now. Oh, how it must be to be young and be able to get your wind back after only three or four games. I'm not jealous of that by any means, but... Great to see JT getting some playing time, getting some extended run. I'm really high on JT Thor. I thought he was a great draft pick. He's definitely got so much length. He's really good defensively. Saw that big block that he had down the stretch on Saturday's game as well.
2: Yeah, JT is a very special talent, a unique physical set of gifts that he brings to the table. And his ability, his confidence in shooting the three, I like it a lot. I agree with you his length. He's a natural shot blocker. I mean, it's just all about getting getting reps, getting up to speed. This guy played one year of college. So he's one of the many young, really bright talents on this team. And it's just a question of guiding them. And, and I think there's even more confidence now that you, you guys touched on it in previous podcasts, but having James Borrego, JB renewed with the team, just a little bit more security means that his outstanding staff, both at the top trying to get W's for the Hornets but throughout the organization developing these players will get to continue their work one last player I want to bring up for silver linings just you know I'd be remiss not to is Kai Jones 16 rebounds is extremely impressive certainly jumps off the page more than any other number statistically in the box score for the Hornets he did have a really really bad turnover with about 30 seconds left that kind of started the whole sequence that saw the Raptors move ahead but nonetheless that one moment doesn't determine track for what Kai Jones was able to bring and again with him and his 16 rebounds with James Booknight knocking down three threes these are the kinds of things that more so than a stat line in terms of scoring are going to be significant because the reality is it's unlikely either those two guys in the first say 15 to 20 games of the season attempts 10 or 12 shots just is you got Terry rogier and Gordon Hayward and Lamelo Ball and all these players up and down the roster that are going to be expected to take big shots during games. I don't foresee there being a ton of them unless one of those two gets extremely hot or the defense just ignores them entirely. That those shots are part of the game plan. But to be able to knock down an open three when you get it for James Booknight, or be able to impact the game with your rebounding, even if you're not shooting all that much for Kai Jones those things matter. Those things will matter to the big club. So uh, in that reference I think both of them had really strong games. Even their entire games were pretty good quite frankly overall but those two stats in particular I think are meaningful for them. All right, we're on to segment two. The Hornets preseason schedule has been released. Where are we most looking forward to going? What does it mean for the Hornets? We'll talk about it next here on the Hornets Hivecast.
0: Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of Jays. It's an easy trip on the light rail, or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanshop.com.
2: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. We're about to talk Hornets preseason schedule, which has been released since the last time we had a podcast, Rob. Looks something like this. Hornets have two on the road, two at Spectrum Center. Starts off on the road at Oklahoma. City APM start on October the 4th couple days later they will have their preseason home opener against the Memphis Grizzlies that's October 7th four days after that we're going to Miami to take on the Heat and then October 13th a home game against the Dallas Mavericks in your opinion Rob what is the preseason game you're most looking forward to seeing is it based off matchup is it based off time in the calendar what are you most looking forward to watching in terms of the Hornets preseason schedule?
1: Well, I think as a whole, it sets up really well. I mean, all of these teams pose some difficulty in their own way. I mean, the Oklahoma City game, to start things off, is maybe you could consider it a good warm up. I mean, Oklahoma City does have some young, talented pieces that can throw some problems at you, but I think it would be a good warm up as a whole for the team. The Memphis game, of course, you got John Morant, and they've retooled that roster a little bit too in the front court as well. So that's going to be another tough test. The Miami game, of course. You know, a lot of people are expecting the heat to really kind of reload after a disappointing exit this past postseason with some of the free agent signings like Kyle Lowry. And then, of course, October 13th, you got the Dallas Mavericks, you got Luka Doncic coming to town, which is always an exciting matchup. It's just a matter of, you know, how much are the starters going to see? Is it kind of like a, okay we're only going to give you maybe five to 10 minutes here in the first game. We're going to ramp you up slowly to get to 25 to 30. So there's possibility in that last game on October 13th that we're seeing pretty much a live regular season game with a lot of heavy minutes from some of the starters. So, you know, I think it sets up really well it poses a lot of challenges and you know a lot of time to kind of get some mistakes out of the way especially after the way that everything was so condensed last season you get a day off or a couple days off in between these games I think it sets up really well for the Hornets.
2: So for the question, which one are you most looking forward to? Is your answer all of them or none of them?
1: Yeah, you do this to me a lot. I'll just say the Dallas game, just because, like I mentioned, I think it's a chance for us to really see a lot of extended run from some of the starters the way that everything sets up. So I'll go with the Mavericks.
2: All right, there you go. My answer would be OKC, and just nothing to do with the Thunder. It's that it's first. I want to get a look at LaMelo Ball at the start of year two. He has been working hard in the off season. He's been in the gym a lot. We've seen clips from that and pieces of that but quite frankly we don't get to watch practice so i'm looking forward to seeing what does the shot look like this guy broke his wrist less than nine months ago so what does the shot look like at that point how comfortable is he because he was knocking him down at better than 40 percent in the month leading up to the injury obviously the injury affected it. How does he look from a comfort standpoint? Is he still flexing it? Th- those types of things. I will be curious to see. And then just in general, what does the starting five look like? This team has been reworked a bit. You've got some different pieces in terms of the bench With Kelly Oubre Jr. added in, James Booknight, the first-round pick, there is a question as who is going to start at the four. Are we going to see Miles Bridges versus P.J. Washington? What do the rotations look like? I don't think we're going to get a complete answer in Game 1, but we'll start to get a little bit of a glimpse of what we might see. So Game 1, to me, is the most important one of the four. Curious to see, A, how does LaMelo look from a comfort and shooting standpoint with the wrist? And B, what is the starting lineup because I would expect James Borrego and his staff to for the most part mirror what they would plan to do in the regular season if it's no doubter. Now, if there is some doubt, we might see some changes along the way, but if they're confident that either PJ is the starting four or Miles is the starting four so PJ can come in in relief at center, I think we'll start to get an answer to that at that point in time.
1: I'm surprised you didn't say the Miami game, so you got to say you got to go to Miami in the preseason. You got to go to every spot. Yeah, Miami will be exciting.
2: Going to Oklahoma City is going to be exciting for me, too, for those of you who are just catching on to the Hornets-Hivecast. I, as the radio broadcaster, did not travel last year, so I'm just like any other rookie. It'll be my first time doing that very exciting and looking forward to it. But in terms of what I think the fans should look forward to and what I, as someone covering the team, I'm going to go with game one.
1: Well, and I think part of the things that you spoke about was just trying to tinker with rotations and stuff like that is why I think I'm more excited for the Dallas game because, again, a little bit more extended run for the starters. Since that's the final tune-up, you're going to see what the rotations, and what everything's going to look like moving forward to the regular season. So that's why I'm going with Game 4.
2: Fair enough. Well, that's the preseason schedule. Again, all of those games will be heard on the Hornets Radio Network. Rob Longo at the controls all be on the mic for the play-by-play. Games 1 through 4, you can hear them on Sports Radio FNZ and the Hornets Radio Network, which will be new and improved for the 21-22 season. One game left on the Vegas Summer League schedule. Hornets are going to take on the Chicago Bulls Summer League squad. What are we looking for? forward to in that one we'll talk about it next here on the hornets hivecast
0: hornets fans the buzz is building for season ticket packages for the 2021 2022 season call 704 hornets or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative Lock in your price today.
2: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC third and final segment, and it is about to be the fifth and final game of Vegas Summer League for the Hornets. They'll take on the Chicago Bulls, who sport a Charlotte native, Patrick Williams, on their roster. Patrick, a top five pick, obviously, a couple years ago for the the bulls and someone who is extremely talented has come in and really put in the work in vegas summer league and although the results have not always been spectacular for chicago assuming he plays which we never quite know in vegas summer league he would be someone i would be excited to see a because he's a charlotte native and we're we're always looking to see how those guys develop b because he's a top five pick and part of a chicago team that made a lot of big moves and i think part of the calculus for all of them, was that Patrick Williams might step into a larger role next year. They didn't exactly put a lot of, of their efforts into the 3-4 and four position. They put a lot of it into the point guard position, adding Lonzo Ball into the mix. But most importantly, because it's a good challenge for some of the Hornets' young bigs, Kai Jones going up against Patrick Williams, JT Thor going up against Patrick Williams, Arnoldus Kulboka going up against Patrick Williams, you know, any of those matchups, It's a good one to see because they're very young players. Patrick obviously has the benefit of some extended playing time last year in his rookie season for the Bulls. But this is a chance to see where you are, how you measure up. I think for the most part, we've seen guys like James Booknight, Kai Jones, all across the board with the youngsters have games that gave them confidence. And that's really, bottom line, the most important thing to come out of Vegas Summer League with. This could be another opportunity for some guys at Patrick Williams' position.
1: Yeah, and just taking a look at Chicago's roster, I think these rosters match up really well. I mean, there's been a couple of times where the Hornets have just gotten some real mismatches. I mean, if you think back to the Portland game when they're playing against double-digit NBA veterans like Kenneth Fareed and some of those guys that were on Portland's summer league team and then you go over and look at the Bulls roster and the guy with the most experience is Jerome Robinson for three years everybody else is either in their rookie season their first season or their second season so I think the rosters match up a little bit better you touched on Patrick Williams's too they they have a couple of other bigs on the roster as well so I think it's just going to be a matchup issue the whole way up and down the lineup because there were a couple times in Saturday's game where Kai Jones or Vernon Carey they went up against Precious Achua and I think Preston Achua is a really good player I mean I understand that Toronto pretty much got him as a throw-in essentially in a Kyle Lowry signing trade but I think Achua has a really bright future and there were a couple times where you could see the maturation of Achua going up against some of the younger bigs where you know he was able to get to a spot he was able to get a defender in the air or just kind of just muscle his way to the basket a couple times and like Mitch Kupchak has said several times on occasion that when you have a big that comes into the league and they haven't been playing very long, they usually take the longest time to mature. And, you know, a lot of it is you got to keep in mind that guys like JT Thor and Kai Jones, I mean, they're not even in their 20s yet. So they're still maturing from a physical standpoint as well. Got to put on some muscle, got to put on some weight just so that doesn't happen. Because again, even though this is a make or miss league these days and you're looking at people at the five position to go out and shoot corner threes and stretch the floor there's still a physicality standpoint for the most part i mean if you just think about what rudy gobert was able to do for the french national team in the gold medal game against the u.s he was a problem and the traditional big is a little bit different in the nba now but it's still a driving force so you know just trying to get those guys caught up to speed learning the position learning the nuances of the game and i think this is a really good matchup that they're able to do this with chicago
2: so you know one last shot to go at it in Las Vegas with this group, apply the lessons learned under these coaches. I really think it has been, despite the record, a successful trip for these young players because, again, we've seen them excel in certain moments. Every one of the young guys has had at least one game where they really opened some eyes, if not the outsiders, at least their own, that, yeah, this is going to work. I can play at this level. I can hang. And now it's about being able to do it consistently. They've also been frustrated at times. They've had their miscues. They've had 20-plus turnover games. They've had opportunities to win that have slipped through their fingers. And those are lessons that can drive them, make them hungrier for the future. And I think that's something that we will see from these youngsters as well, Moving forward. So one last time Hornets will suit up for Vegas Summer League taking on the Chicago Bulls to wrap up Vegas Summer League. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks to Rob Longo as always for helping us here on the HHC.
1: Of course, felt weird being second fiddle once again, but less heavy lifting for me.
2: I'm sure you will nudge me off the plane at some point and uh, go ahead and have the first chair to yourself. No, hey, the other thing we talked earlier in the podcast about with travel coming back, Rob Longo flying the ship in the captain's chair is going to happen a lot more. We're glad to have him and uh, hopeful that all of you will be tuned in all regular season long. It's just a couple months away and a very exciting season, maybe the most highly anticipated in a long, long time for Hornets fans. That's going to do it for this edition of the hhc thanks again to rob longo and to all of you for tuning in i'm sam farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you and we'll talk to you next time here on the hornets hivecast
0: thanks for listening to the hornets hivecast for more coverage visit hornets.com